I'm in Max, Max, Max. You are listening to Happy Jack's RPG Podcast. I'm in Max, 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 Pursuing the RPG hobby with reckless abandon. Why, hello, and welcome to Season 27, Episode 7 of Happy Jack's RPG Podcast. My name is Stu. I'm Tyler. I'm Stork. And Tyler's, Tyler's back. After I know. It's been, how long has it been since you've been on? It's been, obviously, years. I left L.A. in 2015, so... Oh, I was on for the, the, the con podcast last year. Oh, that's... Okay. So it hasn't been that long. So less than a year. <laughs> All right. Just barely less than a year. All right. In this episode, Erica Odd writes in about smart players playing dumb characters, and vice versa. Uh, Kairaku sends us a well actually for Stork. And just another busy drone sends some upsides to virtual gaming. But first, if you'd like to email us, you can email us at happyjacksrpg at gmail.com. That's happyjacksrpg at gmail.com. We're on the social medias. Happy Jacks RPG, all one word, on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and MeWe. And if you'd like to watch the show live, we stream it at 7.05 p.m. Pacific time <laughs> at happyjacks.org slash live. So what have you been doing for gaming, Tyler? 5e like nothing but 5e yeah really it's, it's so tough yeah it's uh, well I'm the only one up here that that really uh, is running from my group um, there's some people that I used to game with up here that I, I game with a little bit but it was 5e uh, it's just been kind of rough especially now with with covid you can't you know find new gaming groups to go join without doing it online and I kind of I kind of hate online gaming. Um, oh, so you're so playing? You're playing in person. What's that? You're playing in person. Are you playing? Uh, no, we, we're we're playing online. Oh, okay. And it took a while for us to get used to something. I had like a document camera set up over a mat that I was using for combat, and then finally, I caved and we started using Roll Twenty, which is you know it's great for what it does, but it's not it's not what I want to be doing for gaming. Now is there now? It seems to me the last time I used one of those tools. That was a long time ago. It seems to me there's a lot of like front loading work to get. There definitely is. Okay. Um, if you want to, if you want to run like full combats in them, there is a lot of work. There's a lot of uh, learning to be done with it. Um, Angie actually, I think, did a like a video series on YouTube for it. Oh, did he really? Yeah. I'll have to look, I'll look it up and I'll get it. Well, and you're you're you've done IT work too, so you know you're no slouch when it comes to dealing with computers and stuff. Did you find it difficult at all? Um, yeah, actually, I did because I uh, I didn't spend a lot of time trying to learn it. Mm. I just assumed it would be easy. <laughs> so I was like, "Well, this is garbage. I'm never going to use it." I think that's very telling. I think I guess if you follow the directions, like anything, it might be easy. But you were like, "I know it. I can I can make this work." And it was hard. There's a ton of tutorials. Like uh, there's so many people who've done video tutorials on using Roll Twenty and Fantasy Grounds, but those are so boring for me. (laughs) (laughs) Like like I don't care if I'm learning. I don't want to watch this. I'll just figure it out. I just want to play the game. I don't want to sit around and watch you tell me how to play the game. Yeah. I still don't know how to do dynamic lighting for my players, so I have to reveal the map by hand. Even though there are clearly features that let, let me get around that, so I'm working on it. I'm learning. I, I would I would assume that it's kind of the same as like 
somebody using Pro Tools to record a podcast and somebody using Pro Tools to orchestrate a symphony. You can use yeah. it, but but it's, and you, and it will work for both. But the guy that's doing the symphony knows all of the bells and whistles like Stu. Oh well, not a, yeah, not, there's not a ton of little tricks that make the game amazing. Yeah, versus making it passable. It it sounds like it's a really powerful program, but as with powerful programs, you've got to really invest the time in it. It's, Whether it's doing the homework ahead of time or just having somebody or, or just doing it a lot, you know. But yeah, even Pro Tools, I think I don't want to speak for Stu, but even Pro Tools, you got to watch some stuff and people have to point stuff out to you because a lot of it's not intuitive. Oh, there's definitely definitely some manual reading with that with that shit. The um, you know, I wonder. Have you ever used was it Campaign Cartographer? Have you ever used that? The I, map making tool. Yeah, yeah. I bought a. I bought a I'm, license for it years ago, and I every so often I'll open it up and, and use it. That shit's esoteric. It's really hard to figure out. Yeah. And yeah, and that's was that the sort of thing where you have to go and, and watch boring YouTube videos of people. So yeah. how, do, how do I make? How do I highlight the coastline? You know that kind of shit. Well, even Photoshop back in the day was the same thing, as it was sort of designed by programmers and not artists. And so it has all these terms in there. You're like, I don't know what a masking is or the gamma slider. I, all of this junk. And eventually, they went and completely revamped it and had artists make comments on it. Which isn't to say that artists couldn't use it, but it just really wasn't very intuitive. They, the, the language between art and tech wasn't fully developed when it came out. Because remember, Photoshop's been out a really long time. Oh yeah. And it's been through a lot of iterations, but when it, you know the first five, six, seven iterations, it was really just complicated and pissed a lot of people off, myself included. <laughs> All right. Uh, do you want to, since you're uh, returned from a long absence, you want to read the first email there, Charlie? Sure. The one from uh, Erica Odd. Erica Odd. Tyler's so quiet and mellow. It's just, I'm just not used to it. Edibles. <laughs> I I barely drink anymore. It's all edibles now. Well, so Tim, uh, you guys know Tim, a few months ago decided that he just wanted to get me absolutely just wrecked, and that was like the last time I drank. I went out with him and uh, my buddy Dan, the guy who stabbed the goblin through the back of the head, and I didn't have a moment where I didn't have a drink in one and or both hands. And that was it, the last time I drank. I think I, I think Tim tried to do that with me once too. That man can drink, yeah. and he's like half my height, and and boy, can he put it away? It's like a superpower. So, I don't really drink it. <laughs> hey, uh, Stork, can you turn your mic down a little more, please? Yeah. All right. The snark playing the dumb, and the dumb playing the smart. From Erica Odd. Hello, Happy Jacks. I heard you were low on email, so here's one for you. It's another in the Erica Odd series of rule interpretation and role-playing versus role-playing. That, that's great on podcast. <laughs> role-playing versus role-playing. I usually spell R-O-L-E out R-O-L-E versus R-O-L-L playing. There you go. This one involves character versus player intelligence. Suppose we have some characters in a dungeon. So we'll concern ourselves in this discussion with only two. Bruticus the fighter with a seven intelligence. Me fighter, me kill. Played by E. Brinkley Smarty Pants with a PhD. The other character is Smarticus the wizard with a 20 intelligence played by Yokel J. Bumblepants, <laughs> who'd have trouble pouring pee out of a boot with instructions on the heel. They come across a complex riddle, and the players bend their wits to solving it. Brinkley gets it right away, but says nothing because it's what my character would do. 
Besides, with the measly seven intelligence, he'd never realistically figure it out, right? Yoko, on the other hand, has no clue at all. His character is only smart because it gives him better spells, right? Right. So there's the dilemma. One of your brilliant players, albeit playing a dumb character, has solved the riddle. What do? I see four options. There may be more, but I don't want this letter to be eight eight pages long. One, Bruticus player, as annoying as the it's what my character would do argument, can be is role-playing. He's avoiding metagaming. Let it stand, and if the other players can't figure it out, they'll have to find some other way to solve it. Two, let the players make intelligence checks. This is roll, R-O-L-L, playing, but does give Smarticus a chance at solving a problem his player can't. Three, ensure Bruticus player that it wouldn't be metagaming to have him figure it out. This brings to mind the gates of Moria, the ancient and wise literal demigod wizard Gandalf spent nearly a day on spells and incantations to open the door. Frodo, with some small knowledge of history and inquisitive nature, solved the riddle with a simple observation on grammar. This could lead to funny RP as the other players are confounded by the apparent reversal. As I see it, this is Roll, R-O-L-E, playing and not metagaming at all. Four, the fourth and often not considered option is to have the smart player reveal the answer, but in the narrative, in character, it was the smart character that actually solved it. That way the other players know who really got the riddle while it maintains the super smart reputation of the smart character in-game. What are your thoughts? Advice, comments, rude suggestions? Anyway, that's it for this one. Stay safe and healthy, everyone. Drink if you're so inclined. Thanks, Erica Odd. I, I think I I think I only like the third one. Really? Yeah. It's kind of a common dilemma, whether it's intelligence or uh, uh, charisma checks or performance checks or something. Or, right. you know, it, it it comes up a lot in various ways. And if somebody's really into role-playing, it can be a real sticking point. I mean, Tappy talks often, and I use the example as well, about uh, he used to play with a stand-up comic who was witty and clever and funny. And so whenever they tried to talk their way past... You know, and, and as a GM, all of his NPCs were witty, funny, and, and quick. So when they tried to talk their way past, like, a guard at the gate, they were witty, funny, and quick, and they couldn't get, get past it. It was like, just because you're a stand-up comic doesn't mean my character can't talk his way past the city guard. Right, Damn it. because you're a stand-up comic doesn't mean every NPC has to be. Yeah. That's tough. I, I say two, and somewhere between two and three. Um, because, you know, you don't make your bard characters pull out a guitar and make up a song every time they use their abilities. You don't make your character playing the Barbarian actually smash doors down to to represent his character doing it. So the smart character, the person playing the smart character should have some kind of mechanical way, if the game requires a mechanics for intelligence, to, to get around that. But yeah. we, we, role, we played these games because the B things were not, and that's just a really difficult one to do. Do, uh, do me a favor, Tyler. Can you turn your gain up on your mic at all? Do you have any room? No. Uh, Stork, can you turn the mic closer to my face? Okay, that'll that'll help. I just want to try. I'm trying to equalize the two of you because Stork's still a little loud. Um, all right, I'll turn down. The the thing is, <clears throat> I agree with you that you, the, the players are not their characters, and that's why there are game mechanics. But if you come up with a puzzle, you come up with a puzzle for the players to solve, don't you? Isn't that the idea? Why wouldn't you just say, there's a puzzle. It's a DC-20 puzzle. Solve right. it. You know what I mean? If you're actually coming up with a puzzle, it's for the players. Isn't it? I've actually I've actually encountered this in-game with the GM, where we had characters that were 
significantly smarter than us as players. So the GM would let us make intelligence checks or uh, you know, skill checks for help with the puzzle. Oh, he like would clues? Give a clue. or okay. The higher your intelligence, the easier the role was to get a clue from the GM, and he would just give it to you, to that player secretly. Okay. So the player still had to figure it out, but there was a way to use your high stats to your advantage. I like that better. That's more, kind of like a hybrid. Yeah. I think that would work better for me. I don't... I played a character once. It was in a fantasy, GURPS fantasy, back in college. Or was it, was it right out of college? And I got a potion. My character was a mage. And was this, this, this character went all the way back like five years earlier when we made ourselves as GURPS characters. And then this big calamity happened, and it was this post-apocalyptic fantasy thing. And I ended up being an earth mage. So the character was supposed to be me. And I drank this potion, and it doubled my intelligence stat. So my intelligence went from, like, 13 or whatever it was to 26, which would be astronomically high. I had a lot of trouble even coming up with how, what, how I could use that level of intelligence. Because One of the things that I tried was, well, if I'm that smart, Maybe I can, because we're, 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 we're sitting over, there's a pit, and we couldn't see the bottom of it, and we wanted to know how deep it was. So I tried clapping my hands and listening for the echo and seeing if I could calculate what the distance was. And he's like, eh, I don't know if you could do that. Like, All right, then I have no idea what to do. <laughs> I'm very, very, well, I think very... I you could smart. with a 26 intelligence. I would think right? so. Smarter think than so. the smartest people yeah. on the planet. Yeah. In the realm. <laughs> right. But it, 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 it was a challenge to try to figure out how to... And I think in, in a situation like that, that's kind of a temporary thing. That was a spell that lasted like an hour or a couple hours or something. And it's, in a situation like that, I think that, that really, it really would, have, would be up to the GM to sort of uh, help the player realize things that are happening that you normally wouldn't. So I, I think just like, just like the clue thing, I think... The, the GM has to help with that kind of thing, it seems like. Yes, and, and something something like a riddle that you're presenting to them, I think all the players have an equal chance of just sort of guessing it, because you are presenting it to the players as sort of like, here's an actual riddle that you need to solve, and it kind of transcends your characters. If it's like a logic puzzle or something, maybe that's maybe written down, or I don't, you know, that, that specific for an intelligent person, maybe they get just get it or they get to roll for it it's it, it kind of transcends that point because you're no longer your characters anymore now there's a physical prop in the real world that you as a person are having to interact with and it and it does there's an intersect between the role-playing game and the actual p- people trying to deal with an actual problem you know what i mean it becomes a becomes a real world problem and not just a game problem uh Ed from Minnesota says something that I actually thought too is uh, uh, the hard part of real puzzles is there's only one solution, and well, that's yeah. that is like kind of counter to what the way IGM is. The way IGM is, I say, here's a problem. I don't even bother figuring out a solution. Like ninety percent of the time, I have no idea how the players are going to solve any given problem. Well, I mean, the way you could look at it, the solving the pu- puzzle may be one solution to the obstacle you're trying to get past. Mm-hmm. There still could be other ways around that that don't have to do with the puzzle. Maybe you, right. maybe it's you know some sort of giant mechanism, and instead of trying to solve it, you say, "Well, let's see. 
where would you put the gears that would you know it could be an engineering problem rather than a a, a puzzle solving problem you know what i mean or bruticus could just smash his way through everything exactly right he could just break <laughs> the puzzle <laughs> isn't that what marco polo did with the monkey fist knot you know they were like you know it's just not if you're gonna tie it then you get all the treasure and he took his knife and cut it <laughs> yeah. Stork, can you turn your mic down some more it's it's, yeah. it's still a, I, I can't get a balance okay. thank you all right okay uh thank you any, any more on this or we can move on to the next one move on okay all right thank you erica odd and i do like three mind. though let the dumb character who the player figured yeah. out do it it's it's fun it is and that's a story that's going to be remembered at the table yep Remember when Bordo the dumbass? Yeah. All right. Uh, a well, actually, should I read this since it's a well actually for you? Sure. If okay. You, if, you, if you feel so inclined. A well actually from uh, Kairaku. Kairaku? Uh, hey, Jackers. Forsooth, how dare you discourage people from playing Battletech online? Starting is too difficult. Ha! And harumph, I say to you, sir. Let me, let me give this a little context here. Yeah. We were talking about using um, online, online like uh, Roll20 or um, Battlegrounds or something to, to, to game with. And I, and I said, as long as it doesn't involve a lot of miniatures, because that seems like a lot of work. So this is him responding to my, uh, my comment about using Roll20 and miniatures. Okay. Uh, I run a weekly Battletech role-playing game online on Tabletop Simulator. Everything is there and already <laughs> built for you. 3D models, terrain hexes, entire maps, mech sheets, cheat sheets, dice rollers, the whole shoot and match is already there. In fact, I have found this easier than playing at the real table. I can see that some of this. Yeah. And for for the for those more tactical type games or for these mo- more tactical type games, I would definitely recommend it. I also use Tabletop Simulator which I, I guess go, goes by TTS, even though it should just be TS, because tabletop's one word, uh, very effectively for playing Forbidden Lands. I use it with, to play with my kids. Excuse me. Um, sorry, Canada. Uh, there are in the room, they are in the room, and we put a tabletop simulator on the big screen, and I use my laptop just like I use, used to use a GM screen. I have even used it to create a decimate deck, with Kimmy's permission, of course, and it is very effective for that, too. As others have said, start light on features and work your way up to the full suite, but don't let curmudgeons like Stork deter you. (laughs) If you need help to get started, then look me up on the forums or Discord. Drink or not. Kairaku. Everywhere. Everywhere. And again, this pertains to what Tyler was saying earlier about about the you know, learning roll twenty and yeah. and the learning curve involved with that stuff. And it sounds like this is a great program for dealing with miniatures. I just I think that personally, if I'm trying to deal with a role playing game and shuffling through all my papers and all the characters, having a miniature map on top of it will just make my head explode. But again, if I use roll twenty for ten years, maybe it'll just be easy. But right out of the shoot, no. I I can barely keep track of miniatures on a tabletop physically knocking them over. They're in the wrong place. I forget to move them. I have to ask <laughs> how far each character moves because I forgot. You know, I do have to say... Well, we'll get to that later. Never mind. <laughs> <'Cause that's laughs> foreshadowing the next email. 
So recently, I started playing a new game. Not necessarily a new game. Uh, it's called Gaslands, and it is. Uh, do you ever play Car Wars? Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. It's Gaslands. It's Car Wars, but with miniatures, with Hot Wheels miniatures. Oh no shit! It uses the Hot Wheels scale. There's oh. movement templates. It's super fun. Um, I I bought the game and like two weeks later, I had over a hundred Hot Wheels cars. <laughs> Are you it's going like, for the vintage? Because those are going to run into money. God, no. Was, was <laughs> I go to Target and get them for 99 cents each. Was, was the, was or the, if I'm feeling spicy, Walmart for 94 cents. Was, just, is this a uh, is it like a board game? Or is it a... Well, it's it's just a miniatures racing combat okay. game. And it, it plays it, on a 4x4 four four mat. And once once the, the lockdown... The lockdown. The, the shelter in place started happening. Um, I set up a camera pointed down at my table and set up a table and was playing online with people over Zoom. Where basically, instead of everybody bringing their cars, we used all of my stuff and then just played that way. That's awesome. I found it's been I, super fun. I keep meaning to do more. Oh, it's it, it, it looks like it's gonna... It, you could go down the way with Warhammer. There's all kinds of terrain and shit people build. Holy fuck. Oh, yeah. Tabletop Simulator is, is meaty. No, I'm, I'm, I'm talking about. I'm looking there. at physical. Oh, like physical tables people have built. Holy shit! Oh yeah, that looks like fun. Is it? Is it? Was it? Was it the game published by Mattel? No, it's it's it was published uh, a while back. It's on the second edition. So if you're going to get into it now, Gaslands Refueled is the way to go. Okay, it's the newer updated book. Now, now, um, Matchbox and Hot Wheels are the same scale, yeah. They're the same scale. It's about okay. 164. Okay, cool. And Orgy is completely people different. Go, people go nuts with modding. Like, I'm part of the community on Facebook. They have monthly <laughs> contests. Oh, to, and, like, strap guns on the contests. Your... The contests are for pink slips. So everybody gets... They, they set the, the parameters for the contest. You enter your car, and the winner gets to pick three of the entered cars as their prize. Oh, wow. That's awesome. And if you're... And if you're the last place, you have to physically destroy your car and send the group a video of it. Whoa! <laughs> That's awesome. Which is, I guess, a good reason not to use managed cars. No, yeah, you don't. If you're gonna, you're gonna cut these up. You're gonna glue shit to them. Um, you know, you go to the dollar store. Holy shit! That sounds like so much fun. But a lot of people now, Micro Machines is back. Like they started making them again. So they scaled it even further down to use micro machines. <laughs> I remember when I was a kid, Corgi, which I think was a British company, used to make like the Aston Martin, the James Bond Aston Martin replica, and a bunch of other sort of cars, a couple other cars. They were much bigger. They were probably six or seven inches long. And but because they were so big, the doors would open, the ejector mm-hmm. seat would fly out, and those were a lot of fun. I remember those being a real big deal when I was a kid. Sort of somewhere between Hot Wheels and Corky Car. That looks like so you'd have to scale up because it's bigger. That would actually be pretty fun to scale it up and play it like on a ten by ten board. Oh yeah. You know what game I want to play online? Diplomacy. I'm trying to figure out how would you do negotiation though. Uh, Could you like set up our private chat thing? I mean, yeah, you'd do it by text, I suppose. But it'd be nice if you could actually. Uh, there's no. There's. It'd be nice if there were like rooms within, within Zoom. Zoom can do that. You can break out rooms. Oh, you can. Oh shit! Well, there you go. 
Yeah, my wife, who's a teacher, does it all the time for her her teacher meetings. Really? They break out into smaller rooms, and then the, the, the host can call them all back into the main room. Oh, that's fantastic. I don't know how to do it, but it's, it can be done. Again, this is a, a pretty powerful program. We're only using it just to talk to each other. There's all these <laughs> other options available that we just don't even know how to use. Really, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to dig into that because that would be that would be the perfect solution. I think Ingie did a tutorial. It's online somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, I don't know if that was uh, we answered a question. It's not really a question to answer. It's there. a well, actually, it's it was a well, a well actually. actually. So, hey, I totally, I totally laud anybody doing miniatures on online. That's actually really cool. And I can, I can see how like. A BattleTech and stuff because once the character, once the miniature has been assigned, all the stats and everything, it's all there. You don't have to look it all up. Every time you click on it, I think it all comes up. So I can see how it would really streamline playing something like BattleTech. I I did some miniature games as a kid, and it really left a sour taste in my mouth. I, I think I've told the story about the Battle of Midway. It was a giant <laughs> map of the Pacific, and everybody had little boats with little chits on top of it, and you, you'd have to move your like going in your socks and move around your army and step back, and the other person would look at it. It just took forever and not fun for me. We so. we played in the the this. It was in the same basement where I first played D anD D. We played chainmail once, and he didn't have that many minis. He only probably had about twenty, and we we were divided into three armies, armies squads, I guess. <laughs> fire teams and uh it was fun it was fun i mean i played i played warhammer with my son a couple times and it's fun i enjoy it it's just freaking expensive and i hate painting them i don't like painting them well it's just the main way to guarantee your kid never gets into drugs got <laughs> right. him on warhammer he will never have money for drugs <laughs> <laughs> oh they have so many i went to you know they opened up a new gaming store here remember game empire uh-huh. Well, it, it, it shut down, and uh, I think one of the guys who worked there bought it out, and it's now called Odyssey Games. And I went in there; they're still they're still getting it ready. Um, it opened like two, I think two weeks ago, and uh, I went in there a couple days ago, um, and I, I bought it because Zachary wanted to play wants to play a, like a traditional war game. So the closest thing they had was like Axis and Allies, so I got mm-hmm. that. <clears throat> but uh, they. God, they, they, they're going to have such a nice open gaming room area when they're done. Nice. It's going to look fantastic. They've got some tables. Good. It was a big store. I remember that it whole is, like huge. back three quarters was basically set up for open gaming, yeah. and it was. I always thought it was cool. And there was always, I mean, th- there was always like Warhammer Night, and there was uh, yeah. Magic the Gathering Night, and I think he had a D and D a D and D night. And the place was always packed, always packed. Yeah. I don't know if they were buying anything, but it, the place was packed. So, and it, I mean, it was set up pretty well too. There was an entrance and exit from the back parking lot through the through there, so you could get to the back half or the back three quarters for open gaming without having to go through the store. It was it's a cool setup. It's a neat yeah. place. It was. Right. I had uh, I had friends who owned a game store in Monterey, up near the uh, the Navy Defense Language Institute, and he started out with you know, like a quarter of the store was Warhammer. And the rest was gaming books and things like that. But as he realized more and more, all the guys in the Navy with nothing but disposable income, all they wanted was 40K. Yeah. So slowly his store became more and more miniatures focused um, because that's what they, they were buying. And that's the way that you get them in there. They, they spend the money and then they play there. So it was, it was 
more space devoted to open gaming tables for, for 40K and more models. Because it takes up a ton of space. Oh, yeah. yeah absolutely. Yeah. And my, my boss at work, uh, his kids are turning into nerds, I guess. In fact, so much so that they wanted he wanted to know what the name of the podcast was so he could just kids could watch and learn how to GM. But they, they started with Warhammer, and they loved it for a while. And just like Stu, they were like, I haven't even painted all the miniatures yet. We can't even play it. <laughs> and they were getting so frustrated with the amount of work, miniatures you have to get to get set up in order to play the freaking game that they moved on to D&D. So yeah. at some point, there's just a there's a critical mass. We were like, this just isn't worth it. Oh, yeah. That's the best thing about D&D. Unless you're the GM, you only have to paint one miniature. <laughs> Until he dies. Right. Or you could just reuse your 40K ones and just paint it as a knight. Here you go. Right, there you have a whole army of knights. <laughs> uh, except 40K doesn't work for, for one-inch grids. They're too big. The scale is slightly larger. They are. We got a lot of cool stuff, yeah. though. They I, did that on purpose, I'm sure. They probably did. Uh, all right. So, uh, so, so, so Kyra, hold on a second. Oh, okay. I just want to make. I finally got my physical copies of my book. Oh yeah, Mandite and the the Apprentice Mage. Oh, you got a copy! Excellent. I got my copy. Thanks. I I've already had one person say, "Hey, you should do a special podcast." <laughs> and I said, "They said, I said what?" And they're like, "Yeah, call it Stu Stu's book is Why Daddy Drinks." <laughs> I was going to say, they said, "I said, I is it, it that bad?" And the person was like, oh, I haven't read it yet. Just do it anyway. <laughs> hey, no such thing as bad press. <laughs> it's dangerous, though, to have a bad review of your friend's book. I mean, I don't know. If Stu- oh, I don't, I don't get it. Well, I was telling him, like, be- I'm hesitant to read it, because, I mean, what if Stu's a terrible writer? <laughs> it might be another five years before you're back on the podcast and you review the book. Am I going to be like, oh, no, no, yeah, I read your books, too. It was, uh, it was a book. <laughs> you had a lot of pages and some there words were, in it. There were words strung together in sentences. <laughs> <laughs> Got to be polite. No, it's fine. It's only his first book. I'm the idiot that put it out there. <laughs> but there's two reviews on Amazon. Thank you to the two people who reviewed it. Um, and the second book is is written and it's it's being uh, edited and proofread now. And I've started the doing the narration for the audiobook for the first one. That's really hard. It's really hard. It, tr- trying to keep the characterizations straight for all the different characters and make sure you're using the same funny voice you used in the last chapter when the guy talks and that kind of stuff. And it's a lot of talking. It's a lot of talking. My voice gets tired after about an hour. And just to keep the cadence going, oh and, yeah, and the flow going, it's really difficult. Everyone knows how shitty I am reading out loud anyway. Who listens to this show? So just imagine how much because I'm I'm obviously not going to release something just like get in that in that so I'm going through and it's like fuck can I do that paragraph again until I get up to where I like it so I'm reading some of those paragraphs four or five times before I'm I'm happy with the recording I have of it but it, I'm I can, I can get about good. No, I said I get, I get it. I can totally see how that could be just be, and you're going to be hypercritical. It's like that's not at all the intent I had of that paragraph. I got to start again. That's the other reason I'm not going to release the second book until I've recorded the audio version of it because I'm finding not all but many typos as I as I read through it aloud, which is very different than reading it silently. So yeah, yeah. So that I won't release the second one until the until I've recorded the audio version. But I'll, I may release the first one as a podcast. Like is a serialized podcast. It's really chapter by chapter. Yeah, or like a chapter a week, and if people don't want to wait a week to find out what happens in the next chapter, go buy the book. 
That's a great idea. So, it's uh, great. Idea. It's not like you don't have the tech, right? I just, yeah, it's it's a lot a lot more difficult than I thought it was going to be, and time consuming. Plus, it's hotter than fuck. So I turned the air, the air conditioner, the thermostat down to sixty five, and I let it run <laughs> until the room is cold, cold, cold. Then I turn the AC off because obviously I don't want an air conditioner in the background on recording an audiobook. And then I and then I uh, basically start reading until it gets to about eighty five in the room, and then it's like, okay, I'm done. My voice is that's, tired. It's been two or three chapters. I'm done. That's actually a very common problem with voiceover artists. My my next door neighbor does audiobooks for a living, but she used to do voiceover work, and she bought one of those little booths, you know, that you can assemble so far before. The exact same problem. She's just a super cool the thing. Go in and read as long as she can before it heats up too much, and then she comes out and cools the place off again. No. But yeah, and, and it happens in studios too because we remember when we were recording our, our albums, we would be in that thing until it got too hot, we'd have to just come tumbling out and yeah, cool the, it up again. The eight by eight by eight box where we recorded a whole CD in that thing. This here, I mean, I have an air conditioned sound, pretty soundproof studio, but none of the recording equipment is in there. <laughs> so I'd have to. Like, I hope that studio never catches fire. Imagine the years of accumulated boggard farts just to get ignited. Oh yeah, it, it would go. It would go up like a like a like a early um, space capsule. And then Pasadena would never smell the same. <laughs> it's all soaked into the carpet. <laughs> so anyway, stench of boggards. All that stuff is coming, <laughs> and you can go to stewvenable.com if you want to. Uh, I, I, I give updates there, and you can go on Amazon and and uh, search for my name, and you'll find it. It's there. There's more than one version. There's there's earlier versions when I didn't really realize what I was doing when I was designing the ebook and the physical book, but I got that sorted out. I think so. You can't get rid of it. It's a good way to find out who your real friends are because it's free. It's on Kindle Limited, so I could read this book for free. I was like, you know, well, I want to support Stu in this in this endeavor, so I'm going to pay the twelve bucks to buy this book. Next time you see me, you can have him autograph it. Don't think I didn't think about that. Yeah, I've been kind of on this kick lately. Anytime one of my friends puts out a book, I'm like, well, I'm doing pretty well now. I'll, I'll buy that. I just backed uh, Chris Gray's uh, Great American Witch. Right. At the highest possible point. I just messaged Kazay and I was like, I don't have Spirit of 77 yet. Take my money. <laughs> just because I want to support people's creativity. And yeah. Writing and all that. I'm actually, that's awesome. I actually really like the Amazon Amazon is a publishing platform because they give you all the tools to like even design the physical book itself there's a downloadable program that you can get from them for free that allows you to go through and do all the shit you need to do to it um, I, and I may I may end up like uh, retype setting and re-releasing Moment of Truth on there as well as a bound book because I'd like to have you, you may not remember this too but it actually started out as a bookstore yeah yes <laughs> but I mean the, the print on demand stuff it's great. I mean the the I mean the quality of the the quality of the of the printed book is is fantastic. I don't know if the words inside are any good, but the, the <laughs> can you imagine you, they put your cover <laughs> on somebody else's book? Now, we had a CD. Do you remember the CD that, that they did yes, that to us? Yes. I, I'll tell the story very briefly. Then we'll go on to the last email. We had a CD. We, I don't even remember which CD it was, but we used to we used to use this place in Santa Ana that would uh, reproduce the CDs for us, and they'd go and have all the CDs pressed. And then they print. They do. I think they silk screen the the CD itself. I think it's silk screen, but I'm not oh, that, sure. But it's yeah. that, it's that thick yeah. ink they put on there, and then they package it and they do all that stuff. Well, apparently at some point they had a spool because the the CDs come in these spools of like hundred, I think, 
and uh, they must have dropped two spools, one of ours and one from a what was it? What kind of band was that? It was like a doo-wop group, wasn't it? I don't know. I think it was a doo-wop group. I thought it was Mexican. No, it was doo-wop. I think it was doo-wop because. And they and they spilled two of them, and then they just kind of picked them up and stacked them up as best they could. They weren't they were obviously weren't printed yet. That must have been the next step, because this duop group CDs got printed with our artwork and put into our our packaging. Put into yeah. our packaging, and then we sold them. And then people with <laughs> fair would come back the next weekend and says, "Well, I really enjoyed this duop band, but can I have your CD?" And the thing that terrifies me or horrifies me, and I guess. The going in a weird direction. Right. Well, the thing that horrifies me is here's here's this squeaky clean toothpaste commercial <laughs> doo-wop group <laughs> putting out a boggard CD, <laughs> not realizing it, with songs about fucking, 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 fucking. <laughs> somewhere, somewhere there's some disgruntled, you know, family like, oh my god, that's the best. Lunging part. for the car stereo to turn it down. <laughs> Our fans were just confused. Their fans are going to be mortified. I love. <laughs> I'd, I'd heard an interview with some musicians once that. Somebody knocked their gold record off the wall. You know, you can you already know where this is going, and they were like, "Well, I wonder what, I wonder what this sounds like." So they put it in. It wasn't even their album. It was like <laughs> it was just some album they they like gold plated and you know, put in and put the label on. Here's your gold album, Mister uh, Mister McCartney. And uh, <laughs> no shit. Yeah, I'd heard it. That's hilarious. The, the gold albums in those placards, they give it to you sealed already. It's already mounted and sealed. Like, here's your gold album. They don't, like, hand you a gold album. You go out and deal with it. It's all the placard and everything. So it's just some album they find, and they go plate it, and they stick it in there. So, and, you know, this, I, don't probably, know, I always found that funny. It's probably just leftover shit they have at the press place. Well, they're, they're, if they're gold plated, they're on, they've got to be on, on some kind of metal. It's not vinyl. I'm assuming that they have a template that is an album, and they oh. just print up all the gold albums are all <laughs> whatever the same <laughs> album is, you know. Or maybe they have a couple, but yeah, yeah, I just found that funny. They were listening to it going, "What is this?" And I don't know if it's a solid gold album. I don't, I don't think that they pretty much. No, you know, I doubt it. it. I'm it sure it's like gold it's, leaf, or it's probably aluminum, and they just electroplate it. Yeah. All right. Uh, unique right. advantages of online gaming. Just another busy drone. Storkish. Just another busy drone. Hello, douchebags. Uh, I've been mulling something over for a while since all this pandemic stuff started happening. I had discussed it with personal friends, but it occurs to me I never got the opinions of my most favorite RBG gurus. And thus, an email is in order to correct that. With the world going through what is so many of us have been relegated to playing games online when it has, up until this point, been a popular but largely less frequent method of engaging in the hobby. Of course, this comes with its own myriad of difficulties, as does any group call or a similar situation. However, I would like to initiate or initially focus on the positive. I'd like to ask what you, as GMs and players, think online gaming allows you to do easier, more readily, or perhaps more interestingly than uh, meat space gaming things such as background music custom player icons etc well this is enormous and while running through it would be fine i'm more specifically interested in which of these things you find most effective and entertaining and why keep being awesome keep being safe folks hugs and hand sanitizer from delaware just another busy drone p.s was a lightning round question what's everyone's opinion of the worst system to run online and why is the answer anything ffg <laughs> Well, to answer the email, just rewind like 
30 minutes. <laughs> yeah, right. We, we led with that, I guess. <laughs> I I don't mind the online gaming thing. And, and in some ways, it is kind of nice because lately I've been gaming with Stu. Well, that's really all I've been doing. And he only lives a mile from me, but other people live... Orange County or whatever, and it's a pain in the ass. Oh yeah, to get up there, to get there in time, and, there, and there's sometimes when it's like, I just don't, I don't want to. It's a lot of work, so I find it really easy. Like, oh, I got a game in about 20 minutes. I guess I should go up and plug my computer in and sit down, and you're ready to go. So, and that's a real positive thing. In many ways, it's sort of there's none of that fatigue of having to drive and you know pretend you were happy to see everybody. <laughs> You know um, what though? The, I'm gonna be the I'm gonna be the dick of this conversation. Okay. The downside of that is because it's on the internet, the some part of our brain doesn't actually think it's real. We think it's oh, it's just a screen. This is TV. It's not actually happening. So the, the it I, I think now I don't think we've had this uh, this much of a problem. But in the past, when I've run online games, there is a, it, it's there is a it's much easier to sort of flake. If it's online, mm-hmm. even though you're already where you need to be, you just right. need to go to another room, or maybe even just switch screens on your computer. <laughs> but there, it is easier to flake. So go ahead. Give me your well, next. Give me your next positive, and I'll shoot it down. <laughs> no, that's fine. <laughs> it's supposed to be a, dis- a discourse here. Um, one of the one of the benefits of of being in real space with somebody is I, I think the role playing gets a lot more personal and intense. Again, there's a disconnect on screen, I think. You were sort of alluding to, like, you're just looking at it on screen, and it's really hard to sort of get into the game and get into the character. I, I feel like I'm, I'm more removed from the action. It's so much easier to get distracted, too. Because all you got to do is, you know, open up another window. And if you keep your camera facing you, you can look like you're super interested in whatever's going on while you're looking at Reddit or something. Um, what is that? I gotta look at that. Oh, hold on. Sorry. It's a thing on the internet. Don't, don't. You're not gonna. Well, and you know that for, not for the GM. I have found that maybe it's because we're also streaming. So I have two screens in front of me, sometimes three, and it's like I go, "Is the stream okay?" I'm like checking the chat room, and here's my notes, and people are talking. So for, for me, as a, as a GM, it's not. It would be hard to be distracting, distracted. I have been, rarely, but I can see for players, especially if you if you're not in the middle of the scene, and, and your character doesn't isn't there and wouldn't know what's happening anyway. I can see it be very, very uh, easy to tune out. Here's the thing, though. At least temporarily, you're always on. The camera's always looking at you. So if I'm drifting away or whatever and somewhere else, everyone can see that. Whereas if you're at the table and you're sketching or drawing, you're at least physically there and you can look up and, you know, you can check it out. But here, if I'm looking over here for 20 minutes, it's really distracting for everybody else. And you can just zero right in on it. So it's like you can almost, you're always on camera and you can get immediately busted for bad behavior. You know what? Erica Odd brought up. The, uh, a, a plus side of online gaming it is easier to cancel you can cancel at the last minute and no one has wasted a quarter tank of right, gas no driven, yeah. Yeah. yeah that's true that does suck but at, then I again say one downside to online gaming for me is I used to I, my group used to play at, at a bar I play at the Duke in, in Cupertino oh, that's awesome. and we'd all have food and drinks and things like that and it wasn't a big deal 
When I play online with people, I have headphones and their microphones are connected directly to my ears so when those sons of bitches eat, I have to hear it. Like, I have to tell my players, like, you cannot eat while we play or I will drive to your house and murder you. That just drives me nuts. Is that a total pet peeve of yours? Is this smacking oh, crunching of food? I, I you're just, you're I one of those misophonia people. Yeah, <laughs> and it gets it has gotten so much worse since since March. <laughs> oh, I bet, I bet. <laughs> uh, it, like I'm in a I'm part of a theater group, and when we have our meetings online, our director knows he's like, like if you're going to start eating, I have to mute you so Tyler doesn't get sick. <laughs> you're doing a theater group. What are you doing? Um, we we actually we're doing we do uh, kind of like variety shows. We've done two so far. We have another one starting uh, this weekend. It's called uh, Live at the Forsaken Olive through Workshop Forty Four. It's on Facebook everywhere. Um, but like we did one that was all about kids and things like that. So my wife wrote a sketch about distance learning. We had a bunch of our friends play kindergartners. <laughs> And then uh, for that this sounds one, awesome. did, uh, uh, it's the spa- uh, this week is a space theme, and it's like the adult theme. So we did a reality show, and the main character is based off of uh, Jose from Fair. Oh, really? So, <laughs> so a lot of the things that happen to him, if you watch, you've heard his stories. <laughs> That's funny. Jose is a larger than life person too. It's like if you were to try to act like Jose, everybody would think you were overacting. But he's like, well, we tried to we tried to get him for it, but he's like, he's like, I got so much going on, he couldn't do it. But does he? That game? Be, uh, does he game? Time. Does Jose game? Yeah, oh, he does. Because now that we're online, oh, see, mm-hmm. and I'm 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 bet that I just remembered. I'm like, oh, everything is online. I could be on the show again. <laughs> I just thought of this like a week ago. <laughs> edibles, man. Edibles. Right. Edibles. <laughs> now, one, one of the positives, and this isn't a positive for me. Well, it is kind of a positive for me, but it's been a positive for our listeners since we stream and we podcast the games out. Uh, side conversations, almost impossible to have. Yeah. I mean, you can't... If, if two people are talking to each other and two other people start talking to each other in the same Zoom meeting right. no one can understand anything and they all stop which was one of the reasons i always wanted people when they were sitting at the table here to wear headphones because then they're listening to what the feed is that's going out and if multiple conversations start at the same time no one can understand what's going on and they all stop but now it it forces them to do that so that that's yeah, one now of the, the only way to do it would be chat like text right <clears throat> or that room thing if that if i can figure out that room thing now i wonder if that's I don't see that function. I wonder if that's a maybe. Is there an educational version of Zoom? I don't know. I'll, fi- I'll ask and I'll let you know. I would love to know that because that would make it so easy to play a diplomacy game. I would love to play a diplomacy. Game. Just put a camera down on the map. That'd be so much fun. I don't. Go off to the side. We're in the room where it happens. The room where it happens. The room where it happens. It's diplomacy. <laughs> it's the best way to lose friends. That should be their tagline on the box. Siggy Hamilton? No, no, playing diplomacy. It is. It is a rough game. I mean, yeah, you pretty much make alliances and then betray you. That should be the tagline on the box. Diplomacy, the best way to lose friends. Uh, Yeah, I think I played it once, and we all decided we'd grow. At least I said, I can't play this on the. I want to keep you as friends. It really was. I mean, we were like, you fucking lied right to my face. Right to my face. We're friends. Yeah. (laughs) 
Oh, back Eric before, Ogden. before Shelter in Place, we played a lot of Secret Hitler. What's Secret Hitler? Same kind of thing. Secret Hitler, it's it's great. You, you split the, the group into um, fascists and liberals, mm-hmm. and it's like a secret. You don't know who else is a fascist or who's a liberal. You know your team, uh, and then one of the fascists is, is Hitler, and they have to pass fascist uh, uh, like laws and things like that, and you have to figure out who Hitler is, and then certain people get certain abilities. It's kind of like who's the werewolf or werewolf, but it's Secret Hitler. And it's 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 an incredibly fun game, if not somewhat problematic now. Well, yeah. <laughs> now, I mean, yeah. Well, so, I don't know, did we answer the question? Uh, do you have uh, any more upsides that you can think of for online gaming? I think it's better for sharing notes and things like that. Yes. Because in Roll Twenty, I can just be like, "Here's a journal page. It pops up. I can send it to all the players. They can have it wherever they want on their screen. Things like that." I use Slack easy, for that. E- super easy to look at people's character sheets. Oh yeah, absolutely. Things like that as a GM. I mean, I've uh, used Slack to, to to send out like, okay, here's the synopsis of this guy's you know journals that you mm. looked through last last week. Boop, it's all there. Look at it at your leisure. And then that one character, that one character, the player kind of checks <laughs> out for 15 minutes while they read it, and then comes back and says, "Hey, I discovered something interesting." So. But yeah, that that is. I mean, although I gotta say, I'm gonna be the dick that I don't get to make the cool physical props. I don't get to make yeah. the newspapers and shit. Well, I was gonna say mail it to people a week before the game, right? Oh, that would well, be you, so fun. That would that would totally fix that. That would totally fix that. I would totally but, do that too. And you did you did make like an online newspaper with hyperlinks and stuff in it too, so that we were able to look at. Yeah, the, not quite the same. No, it's not like Stu handing you a bloody note. What I was going to say too is like if we ever did master roll twenty whatever, you can make little movie clips and audio files, and you can make physical handouts that they can then you know print out if you you know once you share it to screen screen grab or whatever, even send it to each one of the people so they can print them out. Say print out everything in this folder. Right. Oh, I could make a a little like nineteen twenties like Nickelodeon movie. Mm With like old scratchy and black and white that's all flickery and shit. Yeah. And corny with like piano music in the background. Right. And if somebody <laughs> finds somebody a file, you can drag and drop it right there on the screen for everyone to look at. And then or and then even share it with them and then they can just print it out if they're all sitting at home. I can use this in my background. What you need to do, Stu, is let get everybody in your game to give you like network access to their printers. <laughs> so when you want to hand out a newspaper, you're like, all right, just click a print and it sends it to everybody's printer. That's pretty cool, actually. <laughs> that is. Oh, you got a telegram. <laughs> <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm sure Roll20 has a whole share thing like that, like for folders yeah, and stuff. Yeah, every, just... every GM has a, a journal with the, all your resources in it, and then it'll pop up and you can click uh, share with players. Right, so you can make uh, like an ancient another... looking scroll and, and, it, and then share it with whatever player finds it, and then they have right. it with their stuff and click on it and they can look at it. So you can still make stuff, it's just maybe digital. That's true. I'm sorry, Tyler, I walked all over you. What were you going to say? No, I was, I was, I'm, I'm running uh, another third party uh, adventure, Odyssey of the Dragon Lords. It's from uh, guys from BioWare wrote it, and it's a, it's a great adventure, and there's a, somebody put it all into Roll20. So, That's like, 30 bucks, I got it on Roll20, and it has all the handouts and things, so I can just click share with players rather than having to print anything out or pass around a book. It's super nice. That's fantastic. That's awesome. So, I mean, I think everything is sort of available. I, I would see that if I were to master Roll20, that it would probably really greatly incre- increase my organization. Because everything is all right there, 
and I, I wouldn't be, oh, wait, I, I, got a, I got a map here somewhere, and pull stuff around it. No, that's not it. It would just be, oh, bing, there it goes. So I can a, see that it would help a lot, I think, in streamlining and maybe a game. What, Stu? I'm going to go out on a limb and guess that your, <laughs> your, the desktop on your computer is a fucking mess. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and your folder in Roll20 is going to be just the same. <laughs> It's going to be yeah. a whole bunch of files vaguely named. D- no, d- one of them digital. is the right one, I know. <laughs> d- digital doesn't fix chaos, it's true. <laughs> All right. I mean, I'll say for, for online gaming, it's, it's let me game with people that I wouldn't have been able to otherwise. That's you know, absolutely... I, I've been playing... I played a lot of games with, with Kazay, mm-hmm. running them. Um, I was able to play games with Mac and with Bill, who's up in Washington now, and... Um, new people that I had never played with. Like, I finally got to play a game with Joey. Oh, okay. We played, we played, and uh, Dave ran uh, Spirit of the Seventh Realm. It's his fantasy skin for Spirit of 77. Mm-hmm. And it was so much fun, and Joey's awesome, and I want to play with him. Oh, yeah. yeah Joey's a great player. Him. He's a great player. Uh, Eric Odd says that uh, on Roll20, you get if you get the Call of Cthulhu package, the rule book comes with it. That's pretty fantastic. Tyler's going to spend all of his hard-earned cash now on Hot Wheels and Roll Twenty mods. I'm stoked about the, what is that? What is Gasland? Gasland's refueled. Okay, I, yeah, I'm going to get that shit. Zachary and I are going to start playing that on the floor. It's super <laughs> fun and it's it's ridiculous. We'll use and his there's room. A, there's a group on Facebook that someone uh, Hot Wheels or Mattel has made Mario Kart Hot Wheels. So someone wrote a skin of the rules for playing Mario Kart. Like play physical Mario Kart. Genius. Yeah, that's something. Like it's something. a lot of fun, and I'm gonna start. I'm gonna start running it uh, online again soon. Cool, fantastic. Do you stream those? You should stream those. You should Twitch that. Shit. I should. You should yeah, absolutely more should. Stuff. More content. See, I, th- I would. That's why I want to do a, a diplomacy game and stream it. And if you could, if you could have rooms and, and pick which rooms got streamed out, so you could have like have. Different negotiations, but you just gotta make sure no one's peeking because that's part of the game. Try to make sure no one's very cool. Oh, that maybe you let them do that, they're spying. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, that's it. Thank you. Uh, just another busy drone. I appreciate the email. Anything else? Yep. Anything else you guys got? Where can we find your uh, theater stuff there, Tyler? Uh, we're on Facebook. Uh, the group that's doing the, the shows is called Live at the Forsaken Olive or Workshop 44. I don't know that we have a separate website. For and, that. I mean, how would you, what's your elevator pitch? Is like sketch comedy stuff? Are you said variety show? Um, I mean, some of it, some of it is sketch comedy. Some of it's uh, musical performance. Um, it's a theater group. We've, we've done puffs. We, as a group, when we were doing live shows, we've done puffs. We did um, Romeo and Juliet, but it was like a post-apocalyptic setting. It was super fun. I played the friar, and I was like the big Lebowski. And uh, it's gotten me into awesome. like prop making, like a ridiculous amount of prop making. Um, what are we working on? We're working on uh, an Alice in Wonderland type thing, uh, where it's going to be episodic. We're working on a version set in the same post-apocalyptic future as Romeo and Juliet of Lear. We're doing a lot of stuff. Workshop Forty Four. Awesome. Very cool. We're on Facebook. I never really thought of you as a theater person. That's that's a really cool really? Uh, endeavor. Yeah, I never it fair when I was in a performing group. Yeah, but that's you only did it for like, you're a like, performer. You only did it. You only did it for like <laughs> a year. 
And then the rest I of your real world pursuits. I was in that group for like four or five years. Were you? Okay. Which group Maybe was even that? longer. I don't remember. Which group was that? Mariners? Oh, that's right. I start. I started in, in Mariners. I was in Mariners for a year and a half. And then uh, Bells were like, somebody had couldn't make it for a season. And I was like, oh, if you need someone to fill in. And Kate was like, just, just fucking audition. Join the group. And then I did for a while. And then stopped and stopped fair. Moved up here. Started doing fair again. When Dre called my wife and I, and she was like, I'm doing this show. I need you guys to both be in it. And that was up at... Um, it was Carnivale, Fantastico, the Italian Renaissance Fair. Mm-hmm. It happened up in Vallejo. So we did um, Comedy of Errors, and it was probably one of the best shows I've ever done, but we only got to do it for a weekend because it was a one-weekend fair. Oh. Did you do it the straight play, or was it like a funny adaptation? It was... It, well, I mean, Comedy of Errors is a pretty funny show to begin with, but we, we had to cut it down to half an hour. Yeah, it's like a three-hour show, yeah. Um, and then we went and started working uh, at Northern again, and for some reason, they put us on main stage. So I've been on main stage for the last two years of fair. Three years. That's cool. Awesome. I didn't know you were doing fair again. That's awesome. Well, not this year. No, no, no one's doing fair this year except in Texas. <laughs> <laughs> they're doing Texas fair apparently. At least they were going to. I don't know if that. Yeah, we'll, that we'll see how it goes. At least the, at least the play will be realistic. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Oh, get makeup and little little black boils all over yourself. <laughs> it's like everybody who's works there is just going to be dressed as a plague doctor with the big bird masks big, and everything. Yeah. It's like you know, it's like which one's the queen? Oh, she's got the fancy bird mask. She's got the fancy bird mask, and those things are just stuffed with N95 filters. <laughs> right? She's the one that doesn't have shit all over. Her. Right. All right. <laughs> all right. Uh, I'm gonna uh, play it out then. Thank you for joining us for Season 27, Episode 7 of Happy Jack Server Team Podcast. My name is Stu. I'm Tyler. I'm Stork. And we'll see you next week, 7 p.m. Pacific Time, happyjacks.org slash live. Until then, stay safe, and we'll see you in a week. Bye-bye. Stay classy. It's a hobby from Michigan to Australia and maybe East Timor. Be a dreadful When you no problem have, you don't want to make. The preceding program has been a presentation of the Angry Folk Media Empire. Bum, bum, bum.